0: This is Dr. Thomas Hunt, chair of orthopedic surgery at the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. You're listening to an interview with the surgeon, with the surgeon agent.
1: On this episode of Interview with the Surgeon, we welcome Dr. Thomas Hunt, Chair of Orthopedic Surgery at Baylor College of Medicine. Previously, Dr. Hunt served as the head of section of hand surgery and the director of the Cleveland Combined Hand Surgery Fellowship at the Cleveland Clinic Foundation. While in Cleveland, he was a hand surgeon for the Browns, Cavaliers, and Indians. He's a prominent member of numerous orthopedic organizations, including the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, the American Orthopedic Association, the American Society of Sports Medicine, the American Society for Surgery of the Hand, and the American Association for Hand Surgery. Dr. Hunt is also one of the Houston Texans team doctors. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining Interview with the Surgeon. Today, we welcome Dr. Thomas Hunt, Chair of Orthopedic Surgery at Baylor College of Medicine. Doc, how are we doing today?
0: Doing great. Thank you. Pleasure thanks, to be here.
1: Thanks for being with us. So let's just jump right into it. What were your goals and aspirations during your residency, and how did those change during your fellowship?
0: Well. I think during residency, it's just a matter of kind of understanding the specialty, learning, getting as much experience as you can. And I think it's a time where you also kind of figure out what, what interests you, you know, do you like to do research? Do you, um, what area of specialty do you think is most of interest and what kind of patients do you want to treat? What kind of lifestyle do you want to have when it's done? And, um, and I think all those things, really inform your specialty choice and therefore your fellowship choice. And um, so, but <clears throat> whenever I talk to our, our residents and I, I'll ask them what their specialty choice is going to be in second or third year. And, and they always give the appropriate response in my mind. And that's, you know, I'm still thinking, I like this. I like that. It's a great specialty to be in, in general. So um, I think it's a matter of just taking time and, and um, experiencing everything you can.
1: Now during your fellowship what was your mentality heading into your first job search and how that perspective changed the beginning years of your career
0: Well I think early on I had a very strong academic interest and I looked for a, an academic position that I thought would meet my my uh, demands my interests and and really to, to be honest it was a very small market at that time so I didn't really find much and um and that was to me a bit disappointing so I had kind of chosen to go into more of an academic lifestyle, as I mentioned, and yet I couldn't find the perfect job. And I don't think that's unusual for people. You know, whatever they decided they want to do, maybe not finding that perfect job right away. Um, I ended up going to a place called Virginia Mason Medical Center in Seattle, which is a multi-specialty clinic, which I, I enjoyed very much. I thought it was an excellent job, an excellent institution. A great way for a young surgeon to start, because you had very supportive partners, multi-specialty institution that referred patients to you. So it was a good way to experience and learn during those first five years of practice. And um, and I thought that was that was quite valuable. And and so I guess what I ended up with, my initial job wasn't exactly what I had anticipated coming out of my fellowship, but in retrospect, I think it was an extremely valuable experience and helped me the rest of my career.
1: So throughout your career, did you ever consider going to private practice or were you academic focused all the way?
0: Well, as I mentioned, that first job was essentially a private practice in a multi-specialty clinic. So in that setting, I didn't have residents or fellows around to speak of. I, I did kind of volunteer on the side. And in that way, had experience with fellows, but it was really a private practice and and I enjoyed that very much and and as i mentioned i th- I think for those first five years, which is how long I was at that first job, um, I think it was an extremely valuable time because i kind of I kind of developed my own way, I developed my strategies and my way of talking to patients and dealing with them, and really You know, I I think I developed a a responsibility for them that I might not have felt as as keenly had I had others kind of under me providing some of that support. So I had to do everything for myself, and I I think that was a good way to start.
1: So throughout your career, what would you say were some of the keys to your success that shaped the way you climbed the top?
0: Well, I, I certainly think those first five years, that experience, and really understanding how you treat people and how you treat patients. Um, you know, that's the service we're in. We're in a service industry. We're trying to take care of people and there are lots of different aspects to our jobs, whether it's, you know, being a researcher, an inventor, a writer, an educator. But really our the bottom line is we're clinicians, we're here to care for patients, we're here to provide the best possible service that we can. And um And I think it's that mentality that helped me more than anything else, because as people realize that really all you care about are those patients, then you start to develop, your colleagues and people who refer patients to you start to have more of a respect for what you do and what what you stand for. And I think that then leads to development of the relationships which are necessary to progress your career along. And as I think about how I was able to progress on through my career and, and develop the kind of practice that I had now, I really, credit, I really credit those people that I think recognized who I was and that I was available. I was there all the time for the patients and, and for that reason supported me as I pushed along.
1: Can you kind of briefly take us through your journey on your path leading up to Baylor College of Medicine?
0: Absolutely. My, my path was kind of long and, uh, and circuitous, I guess, in some ways. So as I mentioned, I was at that uh, multi-specialty clinic in Seattle for five years. And then I wanted more of an academic kind of career, but I, but I really did enjoy the multi-specialty nature. And so I moved from the Virginia Mason Clinic in Seattle to the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland. And it is at that institution that I think I grew the most. I have great respect for the Cleveland Clinic and, and the way they care for their patients and the relationships you develop with other physicians in that environment. And, um, and I think that helped me in, in innumerable ways, you know, it provided patients, it allowed me to follow some of the academic pursuits I enjoyed, writing books, giving talks, teaching residents and fellows, that sort of thing. It also allowed me to get involved in patient care that I really enjoyed, specifically care of the athlete. I'm a hand surgeon, but I'm very focused on um, care of athletes, and and at that institution, we took care of the football team, the basketball team, the baseball team, the multiple colleges and high schools, and and, uh, I found that to be very rewarding, and it kind of shaped my future years. From the Cleveland Clinic, I went to the University of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB, which is a very large, trauma-heavy institution. I went there as chair of, the, of orthopedics, so it was a significant academic um, promotion, so to speak, and at that institution, then I met Jim Andrews and became good friends with him, and, and it's mentors like him and friends like him that really then help me to the next level. And and then finally from UAB, I went to I moved to Houston to be chair at this institution at Baylor.
1: So dealing with residents and fellows all the time, what advice do you have for them when they going into that first job search for the first time?
0: Well, I think they need to not only understand the job they're looking at and the people involved, but really more than anything, they need to understand themselves. So, you know, what do they want and what kind of uh, personality do they they have how will it fit with the the people they're talking to the positions they're looking at and how does that really impact the family too because you know obviously it's not just a single personal decision in many cases it's a it's a family decision and um, I also try to impress upon them that the first five years is very important but just because you're in a job those first five years, it doesn't mean you need to stay in the, that job. And if you look at the percentages of people that move after five years, it's very high. So you can't be afraid of that. You know, you need to follow follow your desires and and go where where you you and your family think is uh, the most appropriate next step.
1: Now, a discussion that happens, frankly, a lot right now is being able to reach out to folks like yourself. Usually, it would be at national conferences, but now everything's virtual. So what is your advice on the outreach process for them?
0: Well, there are lots of opportunities now. I mean, when you look at it, all the various Zoom meetings you can uh, participate in, whether it's um, didactic types of things or more conversational. You know, for example, I'm part of an AO trauma education committee, and we had Zoom meetings once a week with various, various subjects in, in hand and upper extremity surgery. But our last uh, meeting had to do with searching for your first job. And I think that sort of thing is is out there. And so I think getting the information on your job from people like you um, and others, I think the opportunities are perhaps more now than they ever were. Now, I talk a lot to the residents right now about how they're going to deal with next year, You know, how they're going to interview, how they're how are they going to impress somebody when they can't go there and do a rotation? They obviously can't visit in any way. And, um, and on the one hand, we talk about how it's a bit challenging, but on the other hand, it's makes it less expensive um, and maybe easier to visit lots of different programs, assuming you're offered those interviews. And, um, and so I, I think in some ways it's, Going to be more difficult for the folks this year, but in others, I think it's going to be really more uh, enlightening because I think they'll learn a lot more, uh, possibly. And all these institutions usually offer different opportunities to be involved in their grand rounds and and other um, events that they have uh, that are on Zoom. The other thing I, I tend to mention to people is, you know, interview skills are very important, right? You know, you know that better than I do. Um, learning how to talk to people, how to interact with them and how to be interested, but not too interested, you know, how to be appropriate in the interviews. And, um, and I think, I think really practicing on Zoom, making sure that you feel comfortable, you understand the position of cameras, your voice, maybe even sometimes getting some professional input in regard to Zoom use, I, I think is probably not a bad idea. I know that You know, I've give conferences and lectures now on Zoom that used to be in person, and I find that much more difficult. Um, When you can't see the audience, you can't really interact, you know, eye to eye as easily. I think it 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 takes a it takes a different skill set. You know, I think it's all about alignment. I think if if they if they know themselves, the resident knows themselves, and they choose the right environment. And they make a concerted effort in the ways you've described with Zoom practice and so forth. I think that alignment comes through. And I think that impresses the people that are hiring them. Um, That's the one thing I look for. You know, what does this person want? What do we have to offer in this position? And if those things are lined up perfectly, boy, I mean, it almost doesn't matter what the economic environment is. I want them. You know i don't have the space but i'm going to figure out how to get that person because we are so well aligned and i know that they would be such a benefit to the organization well i think it depends on the needs honestly you know in when i think about hiring i'm really trying to round everything out like if i if i have two researchers i need a clinician i go after a clinician if i have two senior joint surgeons I need to maybe get a mid career and a lower level joint, or sur- earlier career joint surgeon, for example. So it's just a matter of, you know, rounding it all out. And, and essentially as you, your um, previous world fill on the bench, yeah. people go out for reasons. And as you get older, those reasons tend to become more frequent.
1: Honestly, yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode of interview with the surgeon until next time, stay focused and keep following your dreams.